good afternoon and good evening to the IAOMS community. This is Deborah Zabladil for IAOMS, and we are in our next installment of our podcast series, Lessons Learned from COVID-19 for the OMF Community. We have with us today, Dr. Alfred Lau. And Dr. Lau, can you tell us, start by telling us a little bit about yourself and um, the positions that you hold and a little bit about your, uh, your background overall. Yes, sure. Thank you, Deborah, and thank you. Uh, nice to see you, everyone. So uh, this is Alfred Lau here. I'm from Hong Kong. I'm an RMX maxillofacial surgeon, of course. So uh, I was uh, the president of Hong Kong Association of RMX Facial Surgery, and now uh, I have uh, passed my post to my colleague. So I'm an immediate past president, and I'm also the chairman of the Next Gen IOMS. So I work mainly in Hong Kong at a private day surgery center. So uh, mainly private practice, I mean. Uh, and I also teach uh, part-time in the University of Hong Kong. And also I work in some uh, local private hospitals too. So uh, uh, this is the place where I work. So uh, COVID-19, of course, uh, has great impact on a lot of like uh, my life, uh, especially for, uh, for us as an OMF surgeon. So, uh, such as my, my, my uh, private day surgery center, uh, there's, of course, uh, a lot of impact. Uh, now, we, uh, we, we actually never stop our clinic uh, during this period. I heard there are a lot of like, clinics shut down uh, from other countries because of the COVID-19. But uh, there is no restrictions on dental clinic or medical clinic in Hong Kong, especially uh, I mean, as well as uh, day surgery center. So we have never stopped our clinic, but actually we have uh, shifted our working time. Uh, we have uh, shortened our working time a little bit and uh, we have shifted this uh, starting and ending time uh, mainly because of for our staff, uh, because this rush hour in Hong Kong is very busy, crowded uh, over the pub uh, public transport like the, the train, the mass transit railway, uh, people take buses to work. So we shifted our clinic uh, working time a bit uh, to start a little bit earlier and to stop a bit earlier so that the staff can go home a bit easier, uh, not to crush on the crowd. Uh, of yeah, course, there are, yes, uh, of course, there's a lot of different uh, uh, patient policies. I think it would be pretty the same in, uh, in any way of the world. So we screen the patient with any travel history, especially at that time, uh, China travel history. We don't take patients that they have uh, traveled to China and also to those uh, uh, high-risk area. And of course, routine temperature check. Uh, you have to fill in the form uh, to declare that you, you don't have those problems, uh, symptoms, and all those things. So, uh, and we restrict only, there's only one, uh, such as some kids who come to do surgery, uh, jaw surgery, oral surgery. There, there will be parents or helper accompanying them to the clinic. So we only allow one people to accompany them. So we, well, I mean, basically we restrict the number of people in the waiting room. And all those okay. hand rubs, you know, plastic acrylic screen. Right. Uh, we stop the coffee machine, uh, water dispenser, something like that. So we do a lot of to, to stop uh, uh, the aerosol generating, uh, saliva contamination, all those things. So, so uh, th that's how about what, what, what we do uh, to, to, 
to, that, to that's great and that's very interesting hong kong is such a a dense city right there's so many yes, people yes. in um in hong kong so um the fact that you never had to shut down is fairly amazing considering yes, yes. Um, well we're lucky know, indeed yes i heard there will be uh, there's a lot of like uh, clinic shutdown hospital shutdown in china and also in yes. singapore so uh, we are indeed very lucky so do you feel that um, your lessons learned from watching China um, helped Hong Kong, uh, you know, sort of come up with policies and practices that helped it um, get a little bit more aggressive before it had to shut down? Do you think that by watching, you know, China and other countries that that helped you? Uh, I think so. I think so. Now, uh, to start with, we had uh, the SARS uh, a couple uh, years right. back. So uh, we, we actually uh, experienced on this kind of uh, problem. Uh, a new virus coming is like impacting people's life. There will be like infectivity and then there are deaths. And then uh, this kind of uh, uh, virus like COVID-19 start from, I think it's from China. So uh, we are very close to China. So we have information from them. We watch them from TVs, from news. So we actually are quite alert. And uh, when they started the COVID-19 problem, we are already very alert because we have experience on the SARS. Uh, so uh, people like start wearing masks and doing all those things uh, while people in the Western side of the world don't think we need to do so. So right. uh, we're actually uh, a bit early to start all those things. So it's from China, of course. Right. So um, you mentioned mask wearing, and I know one of the things that, um, you know, that is, is talked about is that the Asian countries are much better about mask wearing and have somewhat had a culture of wearing masks for quite some time. So um, how much do you think that impacted, um, you know, the containment of the virus to some extent? And then did that really um, did the mask wearing happen after SARS or has that always been something that was pretty prevalent? I think the mask uh, wearing habit helps a great lot uh, yeah. to, uh, to stop the virus spreading is like no doubt uh, because it's like clinically proven. Uh, but uh, somehow sometime wearing a mask at a normal uh, situation is not convenient. Right. And sometimes like, people will be embarrassed because you wear a mask to the street. People think that you have some problems. Uh, yes. you have, you're sick or what? I mean, yeah. People don't want to come around you. So uh, at that time, uh, starting from maybe SARS, people start the habit of wearing masks. But they, they don't wear the mask every day. Uh, so sure. as long as people got a cough or something like a flu symptoms, people wear a mask. And people start to think that it's not so strange because yeah. it is like somehow used to the life ready. And especially for schools, uh, young kids, small kids, they have to wear a mask when there is like, uh, when there's a flu season, because sometimes right. there are a burst of flu, normal flu I'm talking about. So right. even if there's a normal flu burst out, uh, all the school kids need to wear a mask. So sure. the wearing mask habit is already not strange in Hong Kong and in some Asian countries. Right. And it helps a lot. It helps a lot. Yeah. Right. I, I, I have to think that the rest of the world will start to migrate to that as well, right? That many uh, yeah. of us will be wearing masks for quite some time, or at least when we're in crowded areas, trains yes. and planes and subways and, you know, crowded malls and things like that. Yeah. It'll be yeah, interesting to see. 
Yes, there, there are still, uh, I mean, at, uh, at the start of this pandemic, there are still some people don't, don't want to wear a mask. And right. they, they have a big reluctance to wear a mask because they think right. it's like, I don't need a mask. It's strange. Right. Uh, right. Masks for sick people. But now, uh, everybody is very compliant. That's right. So tell me about what is happening now in Hong Kong. And if you can speak to other parts of Asia, um, you know, we're hearing from Central Europe that, um, you know, some of the countries are in shutdown. They're definitely in the next phase of the virus. Um, in the United States, we're having spiking numbers right now. What are you seeing around Asia as far as what the virus is doing right now? And what do you expect in the next six months? Now, I think that in Asian countries, there's a, a big variation in between uh, some countries or some cities. Uh, well, uh, I have checked on the data uh, up to date last week. Uh, rank number one is still India. It was India, it's still India. India got a, a, a huge number of in, uh, new cases per day. They're talking like about like 70,000 cases per day, new cases. So it's like an uncontrollable number. Yeah. And uh, they have like a total case will be like number one. Uh, uh, when compared with other Asian countries, the number is like a big, a big step uh, to, mm -hmm. the, to, the, to the second rank. So uh, probably because of there's a lot of people in India, of course, the population problems right. and it's like overcrowding problems. You know, this COVID-19 is very ineffective. If there are people are living close together, they're using same water supply, uh, they don't wear a mask, they don't have a, like a, a proper a protection, uh, it will be like this. And we're expecting right. that. I mean, there are some countries also have the same problem with India. They're too crowded, uh, too many people like, uh, like Indonesia, maybe some part of Indonesia. Sure. So uh, they have... Uh, uh, still a big problem and also they do not have enough hospitals and beds and that is also one of the problems so i mean to start with they don't have a lot of those test kits so yes. uh, uh at the start of this pandemic they they do not report a lot of numbers but now the the test kits are more easily available and cheaper so they they test and then they found out this uh, there's a lot of infected cases. So how, um, you know, as far as running a private practice, how often do you have to get tested or do you get tested? Um, what about your team? How does that work? And, and then are people, you said um, patients are tested or they were tested, are they still being tested as they come into your practice? Talking to, uh, talking to uh, regarding the, uh, the practice, uh, if we are going back to the university to teach, we have to test ourselves every week. So okay. the test kits are available um, uh, there free of charge from the faculty. Of course, the faculty pay for it uh, for, to every staff. So every week you come back uh, to teach, uh, you have to test yourself. And the result will be announced by the same day or the next day. So uh, same as student, dental student, undergraduate student, postgraduate student, you have to test yourself every week because mm. you have to see you have to see patients. Okay. So uh, that's a policy for the university. For uh, private hospitals, they are now trying to test everybody if you are going to be admitted. So outpatient uh, clinic doesn't count. Only if you are admitted, 
for uh. surgery, for something, treatments. So you have to test yourself and you have to pay for your test yourself yeah. uh, before you, 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 you can be admitted. Otherwise, they will reject you. Okay. Uh, at our clinic, we start to implement this also. Uh, so we will probably be doing the tests for all the surgical cases. Mm -hmm. Of course, you come back for review and consultation. You don't have to test. But if you are doing surgery, then uh, we're going to test you. Gotcha. And, yeah. um, you know, in many parts of the world and, and certainly in North America, um, a, a bit ago in the spring, there was, you know, a shutdown of elective surgery. Did that mm. happen in Hong Kong and um, other parts of Asia? Uh, yeah, there are basically no restrictions, no rules or laws to stop us from practicing. Uh, but uh, the say the government clinic and the government hospital stop all uh, elective surgeries. So uh, the government dental clinic, the government maxillofacial center basically stop, almost mm -hmm. stop. They only do... Uh, emergencies uh, right. like, uh, like fractures, like uh, severe infections, all those things. So they do only uh, emergencies. But uh, from the University of Hong Kong, the teaching hospital also stopped elective surgery. But in okay. a private practice, we do everything. Uh, sure. we, only, we only do not use um, some of those, uh, what we call high aerosol generating instruments, like high speed turbine, uh, like uh, ultrasound instruments. So we stop those uh, instruments because they would generate a lot of aerosol. So we stop those uh, instruments. Otherwise, we do everything in the private practice. Right. So there, there's a lot of discussion right now about COVID fatigue, you mm. know, that um, populations around the world are really, um, you know, even though the numbers are not better, um, in some cases, the numbers are worse than they were in the spring. Um, the populations are just tired of being shut down. They're tired of not having life, you know, the way they wanted it. Are you seeing that in Hong Kong as well? Do you think there's some element of that or is it different there? I, I think so. And uh, well, I think that's quite reasonable because we are all human beings. We need to right. live our life like normal. Uh, the shutdown was like way too long uh, because it's really affect our lives. Our lives in all aspects, I have to say. <laughs> so we, are, we have been shut down at home, we have been shut down from work. Uh, a lot of people gone work from home. Uh, school kids have to stay home to do the Zoom lecture, the Zoom, uh, the school. Uh, it, it's actually very tired. Uh, yeah. we, we don't like it. And uh, uh, we, we had a bit of like those uh, infected case done a bit at around like May or June. So people are like rushing out to the street to go to restaurants, cinemas, right. to go to do activities they like. So they're like, like, like crazy. The, the streets are full of people. Yeah. Of course, uh, after those uh, period, we had, we had a third wave. So yeah. people are like, like more disciplined now. But I mean, this is very normal. And uh, there are psychological needs for people. Uh, but a lot of people is like going around. Uh, they do something that would release their stress. But we will not, we're not go into that uh, crowded place such as they go hiking, they go, uh, to the, they go out to the sea. So there's less crowding, more close to the natural environment, but they, have, they, they can go out. I mean, right. so this is actually, uh, well, I mean, very normal. 
uh, for human yeah, beings. Yeah, human nature, right? Yes, yes. To want to be out and about. So, you know, in the, in the West, we are um, entering the winter season. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of concern about flu, you know, just regular seasonal flu. What, what are the thoughts on that? Um, in Asia? Well, in Hong Kong and in a similar part of the world uh, uh, from Hong Kong, we are actually entering winter too. Uh, uh, but the flu season are usually uh, starting from like Christmas time. Mm. But nowadays, uh, because uh, everybody is wearing a mask, so uh, it seems that the flu is not really affecting us, uh, at least up to now. Uh, yeah. In the past years, like people are talking about flu vaccine and all those things pretty early. And mm-hmm. school kids go to do the vaccine, old people go to do the vaccines. And like right. This year, nobody talk about vaccines anymore. Oh, interesting. Uh, yeah. So, so the, the normal flu seems uh, it's not really affecting. Maybe the mind shifted to COVID already. I don't know. <laughs> but right. uh, we, we don't hear about like normal flu too much on this year. So okay. uh, it's not a big deal now, I, I hope, I mean. Right, right. So um, what, do you, what did you learn from the experience, you know, as, a, as an OMF surgeon? Um, can you share two or three things that come to mind that you learned through the journey of 2020 and, you know, sort of navigating through COVID-19? Yeah, COVID-19 uh, indeed has, has uh, stopped everybody's life. To some extent, I mean, uh, there must be uh, an impact to everybody. I, 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 I can be sure. So uh, uh, we don't know how to deal with it still up to now because we don't have a cure, we don't have a vaccine. It right. seems that uh, it's, it's a tough war. And uh, you never know there will be COVID-20, COVID-21 or not in the, in the future. So uh, I, I would say the most important thing is to go around and, and try to live with it because uh, somehow some, something we can change. Right. That's the nature. Now, we cannot change the world. Uh, and human beings are like actually so tiny little bit creature in the world. So uh, we have to think how to go around with it rather than sitting there to wait uh, the world to change back to so-called normal life. Uh, because right. we don't know it will become normal again or not. Maybe that's right. everybody do normal now. Uh, at least right. it's normal. Uh, with COVID, it's normal. So we have to shift our life to adapt to it. So we have to think actively to, to counteract this so-called problem. Uh, such as, you know, we, we, we do all the online things now. We do Zoom meeting now. We don't do physical. Right we do virtual conference and we have to somehow accept and uh, we we have to think how to make a better use of this kind of tools this kind of internet connections uh, and of course we don't we don't we don't shut down contact with people because uh, we have to contact with people so uh, this is uh, I think the most important thing we have to do and of course uh, as I've mentioned that COVID has stopped us from working have uh, stopped our life uh, to a certain extent uh, we have a bit more time for ourselves and right. uh, it's actually important to reflect inside 
ourselves. Uh, we see everything a little bit differently nowadays. Uh, we have to value, we have to treasure everything around yourself. We have to treasure and value everybody around yourself. So, uh, especially in Hong Kong, we are very busy every day, uh, usually, I mean. Uh, now we have a bit more time. So right. we, we have to stop and think. And then we have to go back to, uh, to the nature. Uh, to yeah. uh, to connect with people more, uh, to talk to people more. Uh, we try to enjoy the world as much as we can. This is important, I think. Wouldn't it be nice if the human race evolved in some way as a result of this, right? Yes, yes, actually. So in, in closing with you, Dr. Lau, and this has been really interesting. Thank you so much for this. Um, I, I'm wondering if you have advice that you might offer to the OMF community. And because you are the chair of the Next Gen uh, mm -hmm. group at IOMS, I'm wondering, you know, what advice or what inspiration or words of wisdom might you offer that particular group right now? Well, I think uh, the most important thing uh, to combat or counteract the COVID is uh, basically discipline. So we have to be very disciplined as a member of the community. And of course, as a member of, the, of your practice or, or hospital or your faculty, because we have to do it together. Otherwise it's not going to be the work because like people, some people wear the mask, some people don't wear the mask and it's not going to work. You know, uh, we have to cut down the chain reaction because this COVID-19, the, the main issue of this COVID-19 uh, is the extremely high infectivity. So uh, basically the prime, the first most important thing is to discipline yourself. So wear protection, whatever you can, and then uh, reduce your social activities going out, uh, maintain some social distancing. Uh, we have to be uh, uh, part of the, of the, of the team to work with it we don't we can't be selfish because i mean everybody would like to go go to party and everybody would like every people like to go to the restaurants and the cinemas but we have to somehow uh be a bit disciplined and of course uh as uh omf surgeons or uh, medical practitioner uh, as i've mentioned before we have to stay uh thinking forward a bit more actively. Uh, so we, we go around with the COVID-19, we don't sit here and wait because it will never be the same. So uh, think of something new, uh, invent something new that we can do, that we can use uh, to combat this kind of situation. Uh, we, we want to connect people more. We want to have a bit more interaction between people. We want to have knowledge flow. Uh, because we can't stop learning from each other, we can't stop seeing each other, uh, but we have to make use of internet tools and uh, somehow uh, we have to go around a bit. So this is uh, uh, very important. I mean, for young people, you know, all those computer technology, artificial, artificial intelligence, augmented reality, yeah. will be, will be uh, computerized well 
or will be coming. Uh, we have to use, make good use of those things uh, for our better future. Thank you so much. This was Dr. Alfred Lau from Hong Kong. Thank Again, you. thank you, Dr. Lau, for your words of advice, your wisdom, sharing your story with us. We really appreciate uh, what you do for IOMS and thank also you. uh, for your patients in Hong Kong and, uh, and your students. So thank you so much and uh, appreciate you being with us. Thank you once again for listening to the IAOMS podcast series. IAOMS members receive additional benefits such as access to the IJOMS, educational resources, reduced rates for conferences, and more. To join or renew your membership, please visit www.iaoms.org. Keep up to date with our weekly podcasts by following IAOMS on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for the latest news. See you next week.